Good morning, Michael. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Episode 28 today. 28. Yeah. 28. It's exciting, isn't it? Well, you know what? We have survived more than 97% of podcasts that start. What percentage? I think it's high 90s. Most go 10 episodes and they're done. You know, that, uh, I was reading an article that says that 96% uh, of people that quote percentages don't know what they're talking about. And make them up on the spot. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe it was 97%. I forget now. I, uh, I'm the outlier on that. I know what I'm talking about. I know when I'm making stuff up. I know. <laughs> Sharing it with confidence. And actually, people love it when we make stuff up, don't they? That's true. Are you getting feedback at the website? I don't know. <laughs> it looks like our viewership continues to increase. I mean, we're, you know, we're looking at like a 72% week after week growth in viewership. So. <laughs> so I had to call corporate this morning to do a sound check. I understand. Corporate, they can be tough to reach on a Saturday. There's not a lot of support there. Sir. I know, but they know that we're weekend there. You'd think, uh, you'd think by now they would know that they got a job because of us. What about us? Yeah, and we're really more, more of a weekend uh, podcasters than, than regular week stuff. We have a weekend vibe to us, I'd say. Yeah. I think that's why the viewership is increasing 72% week after week. Impressive. And as, You think as corporate a, would wake up to our talent. And as of up to today, I, we haven't had any viewer they had a hissy fit yet. Correct. Not that we know of. I and mean, we have so many viewers outside in their own lives. There got to be a couple of hissy fits going on, but not that we know of. We have not, as we, as far as we know, we have not caused a hissy fit, which is good. And if there was one that had a hissy fit, we're not going to hold it against them. No, it's normal part of life, I'd say. No yeah. judgment here. <laughs> so I see you're doing another side gig, huh? Side yard gig. Yeah. So it's time next weekend. So week from today's Memorial Day weekend kickoff. And we're gonna do some side yard live music. And um, because you surprised us last year, you're now on the invite list and get the text every time. <laughs> that was awesome. No pressure. So remind remind the viewers uh, and listeners the name of the band, where they can find yourself. So our band is called Still Face. We are an all original rock band. We are an instrumental band, three piece, no vocals. And it's kind of good groove and you can't help but kind of do this, you know? I'm just thinking about it, I'm doing this. So it's definitely, it's fun. And uh, stillfacemusic.com will take you to our Facebook page. And uh, I'll throw the details up there. This is in Worcester, Massachusetts, next Saturday, three to six. We're going to light a grill. People bring in lawn chairs, casual and fun. Nice. Yeah. So we'll do hey, several yeah. of those. We'll do, I was going to say we'll do several this summer. The truth is we're doing this one next Saturday. And then I'm having knee surgery two weeks after that, less than two weeks. So I think that um, I'll be in a bit of a drumming hiatus. Well, that's not true. My bass drum leg will be in a bit of a hiatus i can continue to play but bass drum's pretty important so yeah, yeah. we'll see we'll see yeah i know what you mean yeah so today i have my uh 
my two, um, what do you call them, uh, jamming buddies. They're both here. The Chris had moved to California, to uh, Pennsylvania, but he's, he's in town. Yeah. And Fred, so they're coming over here this afternoon. We're going to jam out. Nice. So I found it on my um, Windows Music thing. I have a bunch of backing tracks, like blues kind of stuff. Yeah. And I can just click from one to the other, and we figure out what key it's in, and we just jam. It's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's actually, it's a fun, I must have told you this story, but that's kind of how I got back into drumming. It's got to be 10 or 12 years ago now, more longer than that, because I played drums in fifth grade, and all through high school, and battle of bands, and the gymnasium, remember all that? And uh, what's the name of that band? It was one band called Lazarus. There was another one called, that was the very first gig. I forget the high school band. But then I stopped for like 20 years. And I mean, I never stopped tapping the steering wheel. I was at a Joe's house in Huntington Beach and he's a musician all the way through. And he and a buddy would record um, drum and bass tracks on his original music and they would play it back to them in the studio and they would play along live to those tracks. So I jumped behind the drum kit to play along with it. And that's when he turned to me, he's like, it's been 20 years, you've still got this, you've got to do this. And that was the, the genesis of the second half. You'll see if you'll, that was all job. It was pretty funny, I see you just remind me of that story. So you know that um, guy that I told you that uh, I met as a comedian? Yes. Ron Hortman? Yeah. He was performing here locally in Palm Harbor uh, last week, and I went to see him. Yeah. It was re really, really good. It was a small venue. It was at a brewery, a, a, a beer brewery type of thing. And the crowd was not what he's used to. He's used to playing to big crowds, so this is a smaller crowd. So he, in the beginning, he was come, like being funny about it, but he's almost kind of complaining about it. But then he, he switched, and he started talking to the crowd. And so I, afterwards, I said to him, listen, Ron, uh, when people have like you know comedians have like a rehearsed routine that they do it's one thing but when you when they do what you just did we just started talking to the crowd and talking to people and you made it funny that's a special special talent you know yeah he says oh man thank you so much he says, no seriously it's not not everybody can do that you know what's this guy's name again because you said he's on youtube right yes ron r-a-h-n that's right and then hortman h-o-r-t-o-n H-A-R-T-M-A-N, I think, Hortman. Hortman, I'll find him. Because I wrote this down last time you talked about it, and I meant to watch him, and I didn't, so now I'm going to go do it. Because now I've written that down twice. Once you do it twice, it's going to happen. So there were a couple of guys that opened up like they were just doing like a, they're not, they're not pros. One of them was a bartender. The other was a, and they, they were okay, but not really, you know, nothing not special. But uh, I think I'm going to start going over there and doing the, the open mic night. They have an open mic night. Say, how come Tony Cabral is not on the bill over there yet? Maybe you got to make Around yeah, I'm going to go because they have an open mic night on Wednesdays. So I'm going to, I'm going to start going and uh, Love it. show people what really laughter is. Like <laughs> this right here? When you talk about your, your band, because it's instrumental, do you guys all have microphones and you have to do a, a mic test or no? Mic check? No. So you know how bands have a mic check and they have uh, yeah. a the microphone and go, testing one, two, testing one, two. So, you know, Every time this happened, and the bands, the guys would say testing one two, and then, then you know the guy with at the board would say you know give the other guy and he go testing one two testing one two. When it got to me, I'd say testing one thousand three hundred forty eight, testing one thousand three hundred forty nine, testing one thousand three hundred fifty. 
<laughs> it was so funny. Because <laughs> why not? Where does testing went to come from? It reminds me of that old Saturday Night Live skit. Tom Hanks is playing like the sound guy. It might have been for the Wayne's World guys. And he kept on saying, siblings, siblings. And I never knew what that meant. What was he saying? <laughs> He was saying something like sibilance, sibilance, and that was his test to get, you know, I don't know where it came from, but sibilance. where did testing one, two come from? Testing one, two, you know. I know, but testing 1,348, testing 1,349. <laughs> That's awesome. It was funny because people always reacted to it kind of, you know, it was, it was funny. They were mm -hmm. expecting that. So, you know, they'd go through the uh, other four people first, then I was the last one, and of course I always did that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Hey, so today is Saturday. A week ago today, at this time, my daughter was a single woman. And a week ago today, as of 6 p.m., my daughter's a married woman. So what a beautiful time we had last Saturday up in New Hampshire for my daughter Jenna's wedding. It was spectacular. So I, I think I sent you a text saying, uh, you know, say, say congratulations to Jen. But then I think I spelled G-E-N, but it's not G-E-N, it's J-E-N, right? Correct. So what's, and you what's, did, and I and I shared that with her, and I shared the story with her that you just said. I said, Tony says, congratulations, G-E-N. You know what's a funny story about that? No. So now we're talking 30 years ago, but Linda and I were discussing names when we're having these babies. And so as the girl's name came up, we both liked the name Jenna, but we disagreed on how it would be spelt because she was saying, I can picture a little like dark haired girl named Jenna spelt with a G, G-E-N-A, as in the actress Jenna Rollins. And I said, Jenna's gotta be J-E-N-N-A because if you name her G-E-N-A, it was gonna call her Gina because they won't know how to say it. And well, she's like, well, I can picture a little blonde haired girl named Jenna, J-E-N-N-A. So we had the name, but we didn't have the spelling until she was born. <laughs> it was based yeah. on her hair color. So it is Jenna with a J. No one's ever mispronounced it. Um, a few have misspelled it, like you, but I passed, I passed along your wonderful wishes. So did I ever tell you how my, my son Eric, my youngest one, how he got his name? No. There he had like a little book of names and stuff. And, you know, she had already no. picked out her name, and I was okay with it. But then a week before he was born, I went to see Eric Clapton live in Worcester. And behind at him the on the stage, at the Centrum, which no longer exists. Yeah. But so him be, behind the stage was like a big thing, probably 30 feet tall and, you know, 40 feet wide. And it just had, it said Eric on it with like cursive writing, right? So I'm sitting there for an hour and a half staring at that sign. Then a week later. Talking about subliminal advertising, huh? So a week later, uh, you know, he was born and then the nurse said, so what's the name? And Terry started vocalizing the name that she had picked us as Eric. Eric goes, where that come from? I says, Eric James, that's it. She goes, okay, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That funny? Yeah. That's so, tremendous. Um, and of course, he grew up a generation behind us in terms of music, but I don't know, the, 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 the kids that age, kids, the kids that age know Eric Clapton as part of their vernacular and their, like we do. Yeah. I mean, everyone our age knows the name, whether they know the music or not, or fans or not. I wonder. Yeah. Sure, he does, because he grew up with that story. So he put out a, C a CD a while back, um, uh, 
from the cradle, I think it was called. He was doing these uh, classic blues songs, all acoustic. Really, 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 really cool, man. Really cool. Eric Clapton from the from the what? From the cradle. From the cradle. Add that to my to-do list today. That and Ron Hartman. Let's see here. Eric Clapton from the cradle. You know, it's funny I'm doing this. I'm really making an effort the past couple of weeks, and we're going to get back to my daughter's wedding in just a second, uh, to be open-minded around new music. Yeah, because yeah. I think all of us, I know I tend to get into my own little comfort zones in music. And like, I've already got tons of music that I already love. I don't listen to all the music I already love. But I was trying to be open to things. Of course, playing in a band, there's often, you got it? See, see if he's okay. going it right. It's Al oh, Hortman, H O R, and it's R A H R A H N. I appreciate you just did that. Actually, a few people, our viewers, are going to appreciate you did that, and so is Ron Hortman. I'm going to appreciate you just did that. Speaking of episode twenty-seven, I know we're not. I just brought up episode twenty-seven. I gave Gina from uh, Bernardi's Formal Wear a little promotion with the card. I told you the whole story about the suit which was spectacular. As of the last recording, I hadn't picked the suit up yet. So, oh, that's a transition to the wedding story. But I went in to see her and I wrote down YouTube, No Hissy Fit Zone, episode 27. I go, some night after work, she owns this place, two locations, she's going crazy. She's doing an amazing job. I said, get home, pour a glass of wine, go to YouTube, and watch this. And she goes, oh, I'm really looking forward to this. It should be nice and fun. I go, no, no, this episode, you need to watch this episode. So I don't know if she did or not, but there's the Ron Hortman version. I actually, um, when, when, when Ron saw me there, he goes, hey, man, I see you gave me a little bit of a shout out on uh, the podcast. I said, see? <laughs> <laughs> see? And one more in. So in terms of this conversation about being open-minded to music, so in the band, Marco is a huge Kiss fan. Really? And I never was, and I never got it. And I, and then when I, like I'm talking high school and all my friends were, then it was really anti just because it made me feel like I was on my own, you know, doing my thing. There was one song I always thought was cool, Detroit Rock City, but I never got into it and I never understood the attraction. Yeah. So we get talking a few weeks ago about this and he says he starts rattling off albums and he says oh revenge is a great album and i remember i said to him really and he's like oh it's phenomenal so i said let me be open-minded and so i downloaded this album kiss revenge from like the early 90s and i had another one oh i got one i gotta share with you also i'll just say it so well so the next day i had a long drive i often have long drives after western mass for work and i'm like I'm going, to start, I'm going to listen to this album. I'm going to be living in the present, intentional about listening to this. Let me tell you, I was blown away by this album. And I couldn't believe it. So I was having this experience, like, this is awesome. And I can't believe I like it because it's by Kiss. But they had so many incarnations of this band over the years. So it was fabulous. Sometimes people the don't other really one be... was, uh, what's that? Sometimes because of the way they dressed and stuff, some people don't really pay attention to the music. They're actually very good. So one time uh, we saw Ace Freely, you know, the guitar player? Yeah. In Clearwater at the Capitol Theater. 
And he was there, not with Kiss, but he was there with his band, you know, different guys. Crowley's Comet. So um, it was really good. And he was trying to do real well between songs. He was trying to communicate and you know, talk to the people and stuff. But he wasn't um, like an exceptional communicator and all stuff. But then uh, I think he did about 50 minutes. And then he walked off stage. So we're thinking he's going to come back and do a encore or something. Nope. Yeah. Did not come back, nothing. Just that was it. 50 minutes. I'm looking, I'm listening. We're also going through Eric Clapton's albums. I'm not finding that album. From I'm the Cradle? ITunes. Hmm? From the Cradle? Yeah, I'm looking at his album. Oh, see all. Let's see. Ace. So by this album, Kiss Revenge, Ace was not in the band. Bruce Kulik, who's phenomenal, was in the band at that time. And Bruce Kulik went on to form a band called Union with a phenomenal vocalist. Oh my God, John Karabi. That's an album you gotta check out. John Karabi and uh, who's got a great voice and Bruce Kulik, that is some beautifully written rock music. I'll share that one with you, Union. Let's see, how old was that? Uh, when did that Clapton album come out? Well, it was probably 20 years ago or something. I don't know. It's just, it's exceptional. From the Cradle. You found it, yeah. 1994. And what did I say it was 20 years ago? Yeah. That was a little, uh, a little bit more. 26, 28 years. Ed, and I'll click it again. It's being downloaded as we speak. So open to new music. The other one I remember thinking about, and I'm not sure we talked about it, but I remember hearing that Wolfgang Van Halen, Eddie's son, yeah. who joined the band as a bass player when he was like 15 or 16. And I'm thinking this guy must be some sort of musical musical prodigy because he's got the right last name, but I don't think that Eddie's going to throw someone in the band who can't do it. So he joined the band. But I remember hearing he had done his own thing after his father died called Mammoth. So there's an album called Mammoth WVH, which were his initials. And... The few people I talked about knew a single that he put out called Epiphany, but there's a full-length album called Mammoth, WVH. It is phenomenal. Yeah. I think he does everything on it. This, this kid, the kid literally is writing really intelligent, cool rock music. He's got a great voice and he's writing stuff that's um, interesting and it's phenomenal. And I said to somebody, I didn't even see this. This was so funny. I said to, uh, I think it was Mark. I said, I think he's doing everything in the studio. He's probably not doing drums. So the drummer is very good. And I never stopped to make the connection. And he says, I suspect the drummer is probably his uncle. And I thought, oh God, Alex Van Halen is this kid's uncle. Maybe he's playing drums on the album. I don't know, but it is outstanding. Wow. Mammoth WVH. Check that out. It's, whew, I'm loving it. So, you know, um, Talking about Kiss, Paul Stanley, the singer. Oh, love him. Lately, he's doing these, uh, um, what do you call the classics, I guess, you know, the, he's singing like uh, like the classics. Oh, yeah, all the R&B stuff. I have that album, and Lynn loves it. It's really nicely done. Oh, yeah? yeah I remember when Rod I mean, Stewart so did he's that. Got, you know, he's got 15 people behind with all that instrumentation. The truth is, and I love his rock and roll voice, anybody who's a professional singer could have done that album and it would have been phenomenal. It happens to be Paul Stanley and it's phenomenal. But if you like all that, you know, tears of a clown kind of old R&B stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff, yeah. I have that too. Do you have that album downloaded? Good no, one. 
Well, I now have, I have from the cradle, cradle and, um, all right, so my daughter's wedding. Really quick, or maybe not so quick. It was, I mean, I expected this to be fun and I expected it to be amazing. And it was, but it was really more fun and more amazing than I could have imagined. I mean, what a beautiful thing to be able to say. But family together and relatives up from Florida who I don't see too often and Jersey and what a mix of people. And then people meeting new people for the first time. A lot of people meeting Lynn for the first time, which was awesome. And um, more than anything, my daughter had an amazing time. I mean, there's so many things to do the day of. But her cousin, Paige, who's my niece in Florida, um, took a lot of this on. I didn't realize that she has, like, she is certified as a wedding planner. I don't think she does it as a career yet. She's in the insurance world. But she should start a side hustle doing this because she took everything off of Jenna's plate. And as a result, Jenna had a great time the entire day. The, the ceremony itself, we had, a, we had a rehearsal dinner on Friday night. Five o'clock rehearsal, six o'clock dinner. Lovely. People are coming to the town, we're visiting. Saturday, the ceremony was at 6 p.m. So we've got all day. You know, there was a, we're up in this resort on this kind of hillside, and there was a walking trail through the woods about three and a half miles. That was the entire perimeter of the property. So I wanted to do that. There's a golf course on the property, but it wasn't, it was nine holes. It was, it's not really kept up. It was free to walk on, but a few of us wanted to go do that and have some fun. Um, I called my daughter at 9.30 in the morning. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And she says, getting ready. Getting ready? You're getting married in eight and a half hours. Right? But they were just down in this bridal suite with the girls, just taking their time, having morning coffee, and then some food got delivered, and they're just telling stories and talking, and my daughter's getting her hair done as they're on the couch talking, and they just sat in the suite and talked and chatted and ate all day. I'm sure they had some toasts and some cocktails going late in the afternoon. It was so fun. And then we got together for just about 4.30ish to get some pictures done with the photographer before the ceremony, um, which was terrific. And I was doing a father of the bride toast. And this is amazing. I mean, as a presenter in my real life world, I was getting nervous about this toast three months ago. I mean, literally three months ago, it was on my to-do list, like start to write this. And I just have to keep transferring it onto my next to-do list for it to kind of get enough um, momentum or enough fear or enough, like, I got to do this. Yeah. And I realized my stress was coming from Paige's father, Jim, my brother-in-law, who's a best friend of mine, did the father ride toasts at his two daughters. And he would went, you know, 12 or 15 minutes telling stories. And he's a storyteller. And everybody was anxious to hear that part of the wedding ceremony or celebration. And I was realizing I'm setting that up as my bar. No wonder I'm so nervous. And I go, all right, let me stop with that. And so then I didn't really put pen to paper. I did it once just to get a couple of ideas and didn't even go back to it. And I didn't have any stress about it either. I mean, I drove up there Friday morning with Zach in one car, Lynn followed us in another car later on. And um, I hadn't had it put together yet, but I didn't have any stress either. And so Saturday morning, I'm in our little suite and Lynn went to take a walk with um, our cousin. And I had some downtime, I got a cup of coffee and I'm like, all right. And I know for myself, I've learned this through coaching too. 
the hardest place for me to be is clean slate, starting from scratch. I've got nothing. That's a hard threshold to step over. And once you start, it all starts to come. And I know that about me now. So now I just start and it's going to come because in the past, that just helped me from doing anything. So I just took a pen and started writing down some ideas and I started to number them in terms of some flow. I walked away from it and poured myself out of the coffee. I came back and wham, this whole theme hit me. And I put it together and I needed to involve Trevor and I was able to involve him in a huge way, who's my new son. And literally in 20 minutes, I had it. And so I reframed it, I rewrote it. Then I went for this walk out in the woods and, uh, and it was hot. I mean, you know, I'm dressed like this is sweatpants to go for a walk in that on this wood trail and um, low 80s. I'm like, whew, you know, and I did it out loud and I played with it in my head a couple of times. And, um, and I just, I had it. So I wrote it down, I had it in, in my pocket. And then later on that day, ceremonies at six, we got a cocktail hour and a tent next door. We get up into the reception area, 7.30, everyone gets introduced in the official invite, introduced in and the dances. And um, I had this open in front of me. So look at the notes one more time. I said, let me get up and walk away and just do this in my head as the best man was doing their toast. And then the guy's like, where's Michael? And because I thought that the maid of honor was going to do a toast first and, and uh, I was up. And it was really, I didn't realize Jenna was doing this uh, TV screen on the dance floor with all these pictures of her throughout her life just cycling through. And so I get up at the other end of the area uh, and I'm looking at all the tables and the table I'm at is right here to my right. And I'm looking at this TV screen with all these pictures coming up. And I was going to start by saying on April 23rd, 1993, Linda and I, and reference Linda who was right there, were blessed with twins and start there. And before I did, <coughs> a picture of them came up on the screen like, well, isn't that perfect? So I did this. It was about four, just under four minutes. I felt great about it. But the coolest thing for everyone was like, hey, that was great. And I'm like, thanks. And that was the last thing I had to do. So now I'm like, darn. But we're having dinner, which was a buffet. So at one point, Lynn and I were sitting together at our table with our backs to the corner of the room. And most of our table was up and doing different stuff. And this waitress came over. And she put her hands on the table. And she leaned into us. And she said, I just have to tell you, this sounds very self-promoting, uh, which I'm trying for not to be. But it was a special time for me. She said, I had worked hundreds of weddings. That was the best toast I've ever heard. And I'm like, wow. That was a lot of fun. It was amazing to me that it came to me that morning because I was worried about it for 90 days, you know. Wow. Phenomenal day. It was amazing. Everything went off without a hitch. I was so impressed with the officiant. Uh, he's the, you know, the guy who does the vows and stuff. And I got talking to him and, you know, how did you find a path to this? And it turns out I, this is a side hustle for him. And I was at, and he says, you've got such a nice way about you. And then he says to me, when are you going to start doing officiating weddings? I'm like, really? <laughs> One more thing to juggle. But I was so impressed with this guy, Paul from Southern New Hampshire. And I asked how my kids found him and how he does this because he was spectacular. It was awesome. What a day. So your birthday is April 23rd? Yeah. That's my mother's birthday. I remember that because we've said that a few times. Every time this comes up, we always like, hey, we go, wait a minute, we've said this five times already, but it's always a surprise every time it comes up. 
I just sent you a thing on Messenger, a, a video of my mother, 93 years old. I was just about to ask, 93. And uh, the great-granddaughter, one of the great-granddaughters was there with her. And she had a bottle like this with a little bit of water. So the um, Edison was showing my grandmother, my mother, her grandmother, her great-grandmother, I should say, yeah. how you can flip the, throw the bottle and flip it, then it lands you know on the I mean? base. Wow. And so um, she did it a couple of times and it, 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 it stayed sitting up. And then uh, she gave it to my mother. She did it the first time and she got it. You got to watch it. It's, it's so so cool to watch that video. Oh, that's the video you just sent me with your mother flipping the bottle? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see that. She's 93. She just turned 93 last month? Yeah, in April. Yeah. So now this happened last week. It's happening again. I got to think of this popped up on the screen saying running out of time. Oh, that's right. I forgot. We have to limit our, our thing to a we're now a 40 minute podcast. Yeah, it's going to end in 10 minutes. So it used to be uh, we could do uh, Thanks for to an hour. But I think that 45 minutes is probably perfect for our viewers because some of them have things to do besides watch our videos. The few hundred of them that I am in weekly contact with tell me that they set aside the entire day for it because they don't know what to expect and they're ready to set aside six, eight hours for it. But I think you're right. I think if we limit to 40, 42 minutes, our viewership is going to go up again. I feel so bad for Joe Rogan. He is shaking in his boots. When he finds out about this 40-minute thing, he might pack it in. I don't blame him. <laughs> so I don't Terry blame does, him. Terry does uh, Zoom meetings because of her business, coaching business. And she's just got the same thing with the, the cutting it down. So she had to pay now uh, $15 a month or something to, do, to go over 45 minutes. You know what? If that's all they're gonna give us. We're not gonna we're not gonna make a big deal about. It. We'll just do forty five minutes, and we'll go. We'll maybe we can start to do two of them, two a week instead of just one, and show them who's in charge. Oh, I like that. Who's in, who's who's in charge? No, this is big zone. Other than you know the stockholders, we're gonna make a profit for them. I get it, but it's supposed to be us, me and you, ideally. I mean. On the yeah. balance sheet, it probably isn't, but let's just say it's us and we get to decide. Yeah, we decide. So this is good. 40, 45 minutes is perfect. So remember, Jason was the first guest that we had and he was swearing. Hey, yeah. um, we, can, we need to keep some confidence. What's his last name begin with? What's the first? Is it a P as in Paul? With Jason? Yeah. It's DeSanza. Oh, it's not. Okay. D I S A N Z A. So much for confidentiality, but Jason doesn't mind. So he's looking to be a regular guest over here. Huh? Yeah, I said, yeah, so I said, yeah, we'll probably be doing that. So then um, I looked at my watch, right, on my, my phone, and I started talking to him, just talking. And about 12 minutes in, he swore. I said, see, you can't do this. I was just talking to you to see if we, if we can trust you, but we can't. If you don't know how to do this without swearing, you're not going to be in, uh, on our podcast. Tell him I said this. Jason, go start your own filthy podcast, all right? Yeah. So by the way, uh, we're talking about your wedding. I was, I was thinking about that. You know who played it? With, who played it? My wedding? wedding, my wedding, or my daughter's wedding? Which your one? Daughters. I'm sorry, your daughters. You know who played at my wedding? The band. Louis oh. Bettencourt, Robert Bettencourt, and Mike Quinn. Mike Quinn is what an unbelievable drummer from Auckland. And then there was Tom D'Amico, that's a really, really good keyboard player, and they they played at our wedding. It was awesome. Oh. That's terrific. I'll tell you one fun thing because we're probably going to wrap up. It, the wedding was at six. I went back to the room after the rehearsal, not after rehearsal, we did some photos. And I'm like, 
it's like five o'clock and I, and I thought I should be down in the lobby of this main lodge just in case people come in and you know just greet people so I walked downstairs to the lobby and it's about 150 yard walk down the sidewalk to get to the ceremony and there's nobody there and then Linda walks down the stairs and I'm like hey and I'm like can you believe this is happening she's like do you want to have a drink I'm like yeah now I was trying to really temper because I got this toast coming up in a couple of hours, but my sure. So we walk into the bar. No one's in the bar. This is really meant to be. No one's in the bar. And I said, I'm not going to, to myself, like, I don't want to drink anything strong. And she's like, let's have some champagne. I go, oh my God, I love it. So the bartender comes over. She pours us two flutes, I guess, of champagne. And Linda hands her her cell phone to take a picture of the two of us. And so I say to her, I bet we have a picture like this of us 33 years ago with champagne at our wedding. And she laughed. And right as I said that, Zach walks in, all dressed with his bow tie for the wedding. He was an usher. And he puts his arms around us from behind. And we got a third champagne. The three of us had this nice champagne toast. It was so, so cool. cool. So, so uh, I'm going to text her and get a copy of that picture. I don't have one of the other ones. So when Terry, Terry and I got married, we had... Um... You know, people used to use to tie cans yeah. the rope and they tie it to the car so you can drive off and make that noise. Mm-hmm. Well, they did that, but whoever decided to tie it to the car tied it to my muffler. So as I'm backing up, because they had they had hidden the, the you know the cans and the ropes under the car, my wheel was was running over the, one of the tie, one of the ropes. Yeah, it actually snapped the, the muffler off the thing, so the another muffler muffler's hanging. And I got to drive to the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania for my uh, my honeymoon. So after a while, I got to a point I couldn't take it more. So in Mass Pike, I pulled over and I figured, well, how am I going to do this? I got to fix this somehow. I had to fix the, muff- the muffler. And I didn't know what to do. So I had one tool, I think what it was, but I, I went to the back seat and I took the seat belt and I t- took it off and then uh, both sides and I wrapped it around and I, I grabbed the muffler and he pulled it up and I clicked the seat belt, right? And then I was fine, but by the time I got to Pennsylvania, because of the heat of the of the muffler, the the, the seatbelt thing had um, kind of melted, so it was back down again. So I had to find a place to go go fix it. I'm like, thanks a lot, guys. That was really a good thing to do for somebody's wedding. <laughs> the Pocono's. I remember a commercial from the '70s on TV, the Mount Airy Lodge. I don't know. It's all so this was all in there. A place called Honeymoon Hideaway. The honeymoon hideaway, and everybody had like uh, their own chalet, you know, like one of those chalet things. I bet. So we got there, and there was a big everything. I like the bathtub was uh, heart shaped. The bed was heart shaped. They had a big big pillow in front of the fire in the fireplace that was heart shaped, and had a thing of champagne there, right? So you know, Terry and I, honeymooners. Sure. And um, we're drinking some we're drinking some champagne and smoking some. Prime uh, tobacco, mm-hmm. and I uh, turned the fire on, the fireplace on because this was like in September that we did this. And then uh, that's why Terry woke, woke up to go to, got up to go to the bathroom. And he says, "Hey, there's smoke like crazy in here." So I, I, I stood up and looked at so, so from above here up, it was all smoke, and we hadn't even noticed because we're taking a little, a little nap on the thing or whatever. So then I called the um, the main office says, hey, my, my chalet is filled with smoke. Says, Do you have the fireplace on? I says, yes. Says, Did you open the flu? I says, what's the flu? <laughs> he says, well, uh, Pekka's... I guess 
Dad said, no, we'll be right down. He says, pack your stuff up. We're going to put you in a different chalet and we'll, we'll come down. So we have to move to another chalet. That was nice of them. But one thing, I think I told you this before, there was a, they had these things like, they, you know, sometimes they have signs with these uh, arrows that point. Yeah. This and point to that. And there's one thing that, you know, Clubhouse and whatever, they had all these, one of them said, uh, something, something, red bat, um, rare, red bat or something, they had a, a, name, a name for it. And I says, oh, this is cool. So I says, Terry, you want to go check this out? She goes, I don't know. It's like uh, 1.5 miles going down the, the, the trail, right? So yeah. anyway, I got there, I saw this big thing that looked like a, a birdcage, but it was like huge. And that's, that's where the, this red bat was there. I, I don't know the name, I forget the name of it. Wow. I looked in there, you know what was in there? A red baseball bat. And the, the, the name of it was the type of wood that it was or something. Right. I'm like son of a bee! I can't believe they made me do this. I have to now. I have to walk all the way up and tell them that. Uh, that, that Hollywood Hideaway has such a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> and then one night, um, I was trying to get some food from the clubhouse, and they said, "No, the kitchen's closed." I said, "Is there any place I can go?" He says, "If you go down there, the end of the road there, just take a right. There's like a, a bar thing there that sells some nice sandwiches and stuff. They're pretty good. You can go there, and they're open late." We pulled up, and it was all these because there's where we were. It was like uh, all cornfields everywhere. Right, so there's all these trucks in there. But Terry says, I'll stay in the car. I says, okay, so I go in, I order some sandwiches. And then I'm looking for the bathroom. So I says, uh, say, hey, where's the bathroom? One of the guys says, the door right over there, sir. I walk over to the door and I open it. I couldn't find the light switch. So I walk in to see if I could figure it out. And I kind of kicked something. I said, what the heck? So I came out to see if I could find the light switch. And they're all, all, they're all, all those guys were laughing. Because what I did is I was kicking the, a mop, uh, you know, the the, uh, the mop, mop bucket, whatever you call it. They sent you, they sent you the janitor's closet. That's what they sent me. Yeah, they do that to everybody, I guess. So I said, that was good, guys. Thank you. This continues, this honeymoon hideaway humor. Yeah. I love that you remember that. That's awesome. Well, we're going to be... Uh, we better wrap this up before Zoom does it for us. Always a pleasure. Yeah, sometimes better than others. Boom. What was I going to say?